Session with MS 13. Also, we have an activist interview delivered by Byron Lopez. My name is Brandon Peyton Curio, and I say, let's get the program started. take today yay <laughs> so recently within the last couple weeks ms-13 has been really on the president's radar and you know there's something disturbing about this whole ordeal you know what are yeah. your thoughts about this um i think okay so first of all um just to get it out of the way, I don't think he's doing this intentionally. I think he's too fucking stupid for that. Like, he's, he's too much of a dumbass. Um, but the fact that, like, he kind of... I honestly think he, he like, fell ass-first into this about uh, connecting MS-13 uh, with animals and then connecting, like, immigrants with MS-13. Um, so I, I, I really don't think he's smart enough to really plan this or like really think it much through um he's very he's a very off the cuff guy but just because of the fact that like words just kind of vomit out of his fucking mouth like so fast that like eventually something's gonna hit uh very much a spray and pray type of attitude when it comes to his speech um <laughs> like this he, he kind of again he fell ass first into this uh kind of almost stroke of genius when it comes to just how evil it is i mean it's it's evil but it's fucking genius uh, when it comes to like rhetoric and speech um and communication if any communications majors can back me up here <laughs> yes well you know i i agree on the, the level of evil and the deep-seated vitriol behind it i'll push back on the fact that i think he did come up with this i i feel like it looks like he was just spewing and it was just something that hit but Looking back, what he actually says about whether it's Latinos, black people, um, immigrants, for the past 20, 30 years, it falls in the line that these people are others. And when they're not serving the state or standing up for the state, they're suspect and they are problematic. And I feel as though the phrase, okay, MS-13, which is a gang that's primarily made up of Latinos or Latinx, he, um, this, is, this is very much in line with what he gravitates towards and then he projects onto a larger group. Yes, 100%. Yeah. 
because like because because the, the what what he's doing is like incredibly insidious in that um he is kind of using this little weird trick in our brain that we that our brain fucking does because it's weird um where by connecting ms-13 and like calling them all and like calling like they're all animals they all like they're all subhuman they're not like uh like they're like so like killing them and like doing all this stuff um kind of is justified because they're, they're not human so they don't have human rights uh but then connecting ms-13 with immigrants uh from like latin uh latinx countries um he there's just like that that connection like you kind of almost like those who like are already in on the kind of already in on the dog whistle um are kind of already there but for everyone who isn't um it kind of creates this kind of uh jump where your brain jumps from immigrants to ms-13 to animals to like not human um and eventually uh, as your brain just keeps doing that it kind of goes from it goes straight from uh, immigrants straight to animals rather than to MS-13. So all this fucking bullshit that liberals are fucking going on about on Twitter um, and on the media where it's like, oh, like, you know, not all immigrants are MS-13 or whatever. That's not the fucking point. Like the point is, is that if your brain has a fucking connection between MS, between uh, immigrants, MS-13 and animals, it will fucking in, in a weird fucked up way of like, your brain being efficient um, to the point of self-destruction, uh, it will just get rid of MS-13 and just make you think, uh, kind of subconsciously think that all immigrants or animals are subhuman, are you know all this really fucked up shit that you know ICE and um, the Customs and Border Patrol are fucking doing, like killing people in broad daylight um, and getting away with it. Like that's okay, or like that's not a big deal, because you know they were never really they're animals. Like they're they're probably MS thirteen. They're they're animals. They're subhumans. They they don't deserve human rights. Who gives a fuck? Um, all those other really fucked up uh, ideas, and that's and that's what this does. And like all these liberals are just kind of fucking going along with it. Um, it, it they're going along with the core premise of of like of this really fucking insidious shit. They're basically aiding and abetting Trump. Do through this process. Yes, 100%. And one of the things that I see within sales is sometimes you have to sow your seeds over and over again to reap a bigger gain. So let's look at the timeline. The Seder Union back in January, that's when I first heard him talk about MS-13. He's like, oh, these, these criminals, these Animals, whatever he called them then, MS-13, and here's somebody whose family was murdered by them. Oh, isn't this a tragedy? This will stop with me. All right, that's the first time he touched it. Then out of nowhere, at least for me, because I wasn't paying that much attention to about anything about MS-13, and I'm not constantly on Fox News. Yeah. Now they put out this government document from the WhiteHouse.gov talking about MS-13 and calling them animals and that, and how they murder and kill people's families, and they're immigrants, and most of them are illegal immigrants. Yeah. So now it's, it's escalating. Now we throw in and put that into context with Jeff Sessions and about separating children from their parents and people who are refugees and economic refugees, 
And people who maybe if they went back to their own countries, they would get killed. Now you're mixing that all together. I can't but believe that the next step, something big is going to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, they already there's already fucking concentration camps. Because, like, people sometimes don't realize this, but when, like, but when ICE or Customs and Border Patrol pick you up, they don't you don't, they don't send you immediately back to Mexico. You go to a de- um, ICE detention center where you're there for like fucking years waiting for the shitty, like intentionally inefficient, um, like uh, court bureaucracy to kind of finally get up to you um, and then hear your trial. Um, so you're basically stuck in those ICE detention centers for like fucking years. It could it could be years stuck there. So you're like, so like you're essentially in a concentration camp for a few years before you finally put, like, you know, pushed out by, by force back to Mexico or whatever fucking country. And like, and again, like liberals are fucking totally fine with this. Like, don't like, especially when it comes to like, uh, remember when Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, the, the great liberal bastion, yes, uh, when she said um, she she like she was for sending a bunch of Central American kids. Back to fucking uh, Central America uh, because they were running away from being conscripted, like being forcibly conscripted into MS-13. And she's like, no, it'll teach them a lesson. As if they were fucking like already grown fucking adults, like little fucking kids. And and like – and again, like Trump uh, – and this, I, this goes back even earlier. Like remember when Trump said like, oh, the, like they're, these immigrants, they're bringing crime, they're bringing drugs, they're rapists. Like yeah. that was like really the thing that started like that really brought this whole thing into fucking thing. And that was like during his campaign. And and like on a last note, um, the one thing I fucking hate most of all is the fact that like liberals are like trial. Oh, trying to be smart and say like, oh, actually, MS-13 was uh, started in like Los Angeles, uh, <laughs> which is like you're not fucking helping. All you're doing is putting like the idea um, into fucking um, a bunch of reactionaries' heads that like anybody could be a fucking MS. Anyone who's brown and speaks Spanish can be MS-13. It's not just the immigrants. It's also those who are born in the United States. That's the idea you're putting in their fucking heads when yeah. when, when you say that. When you say that MS-13 was uh, created in the U.S., it's it's fucking terrifying. Like, and it's just the fact they can't think like two seconds before they try to be smarmy, smarty, smart assholes about it. It's like – infuriates me to no fucking degree. And mainly because it puts both of us suspect. You know, I can kind of pass for black so I can get a little bit more time. But we're both suspect on this. And, and for me, I'm just thinking, okay, so what's next? What's the, what's the big plan? What is going to happen? Is it mass deportations? Well, like we're already doing that. I mean like – Hell, Obama fucking tried, and like, even he couldn't get rid of all of us. But like, but no, like, it, it really is because like the net immigration from Mexico is actually so. There's more people leaving the country than uh, coming in, and just like, and the reactionaries know that, and they're like, they're they're happy about it because like that means that like Im- uh, deportation is actually more fit is like more uh, like works better when it comes to just like the raw numbers of brown people in the country. Um, but that's that's been the plan all along is to fucking deport as many fucking people as they can and just keep deporting them and keep uh, keep de- deporting them until they stop fucking coming until they can get their stupid fucking wall that doesn't work but is there as a symbol to the entire fucking world that this is a fucking white country and it's absolutely fucking terrifying. 
Let me ask you this question. It's getting a little personal. But have you been personally affected or somebody in your family that's been affected by deportations? Yes. Like if, if you ask any, any – anyone who's um, Latino or hell, even like uh, anyone who's Latino, it's like a guarantee. Like they, they know someone. Like for, for me, it's um, my – one of my best friend's dad got, uh, got caught by ICE and deported. Um, so like you know, there's that. Like he's like you know, he was like the dad was the main breadwinner. So like now he has to work along with like his mom and his brother and like soon his his younger brother, um, who's just like coming out, uh, who's just like in the middle of high school, um, just the pain rent. Uh, so like it's it affects like everyone knows someone. Exactly, my cousin Ramiro, he got deported under the Obama administration, and it's one of those things where well he hasn't been back in the U.S at this point in uh, six years. Um, but he was a dreamer, which, you know, the Obama administration and all these liberals are like, oh, the dreamers, we're going to take, we should at least let them stay. They're here of no fault of their own. But yet, they're getting deported it, left and right still. Yeah, it's like, but also, like, if you think about that language, it's like, here through no fault of their own, like, Wait, what? Like, wait, 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 wait a second. Wait, it, that still like implies there's still some sort of crime being committed. <laughs> like, you're still like the even then, like it's still the language implies that like them being here is still wrong. But it, but it's okay because they didn't, they weren't the ones who made the decisions. But them being here is still wrong. So like, it, and it and it goes into this whole narrative about the, about like the the them like liberals trying to create small little groups where it's okay. For them to be here, where we're like by doing it, by doing that, they're essentially damning like everyone fucking else. Like then they're ultimately accepting the the inherent premise that like that like basically crossing a fucking imaginary line in the sand uh, that two governments made um, is like any fucking big deal. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like every time like immigration comes up, especially when kind of like comes to ICE, like it's. It's fucking just a pain in the ass for uh, for for immigrants and like their families. It's because like just the very ideological concessions that like liberals make all the fucking time when it comes to immigration um, is just a fucking pain in the ass, and it's like not making anything better, like at all. So that's a good point. So let's let's pivot. What can we do about this then? Um, well, creating rapid response networks, um, to kind of, uh, so like when ICE is around, um, you have kind of a network ready to go to go and like shout at them and tell them to get the fuck out. Cause like ICE doesn't like being noticed. Um, oh, what, what they do a lot of times is they go like, uh, incognito, um, or like they go in like, um, in just like regular police outfits where like, but it doesn't say police. It doesn't say ICE. It just is just there, um, and they go round people up. Um, but if you kind of know what you're looking for, you can kind of identify them and kind of get their response network there to kind of have everyone know these people are fucking ICE. They're here to like basically destroy your neighborhood. Um, like, and, and trust me, if, if like here in Santa Ana, like ICE doesn't really come all that often in Santa Ana, mainly because like they know like everyone here is against them. Like if ICE ever rolls around as ICE, like if they ever see an ICE van, they'll probably like 
the, the van would not survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but like, and again, like that's, that's actually good because like it actually lowers um, the chance that they're going to find and pick up someone. Like they have to go in really fast and really, like they get, get like, if they, if they want to come here in Santa Ana, they need to come in fast and get the fuck out fast. Um, or else like they wouldn't, like they wouldn't be able to leave. Like they, and, like the whole fucking city would come out and like fucking like destroy the van and like, probably kill the fucking ice agents <laughs> it's like like people like and people have good fucking reason to like fuck ice like um yeah like uh so like rapper response networks are probably like the best thing you can do at least for like right now but in the more long term um if you're an electoral kind of person um supporting candidates that um want to defund or outright abolish ice is a is a it's a pretty good thing for electoral like a pretty good electoral point um, because guess what? Ice isn't popular. Like they really aren't. They really aren't. Like remember that. So like, they're so unpopular that uh, the head of Ice uh, went in front of the uh, the, the Senate a Senate hearing and he mm-hmm. cried about how people don't like Ice. <laughs> he cried <laughs> because they're kind of the modern day Gestapo. They really fucking are. They go around like rounding people up and like making them dis- like they literally disappear whole neighborhoods. Well, on that note, thank you, Byron. We're going to start our rapid response teams to fight ice and fuck Trump. Yes, fuck fuck ice. with my guest hey you got jem here uh jem is a comrade of mine in dsa uh, he's uh, a, a good friend now i like to say i would like to hope you made it very awkward there <laughs> it's like please my friend yeah yeah it's, it's like it's like uh, i've been cold shouldering you and you don't know <laughs> um so uh so like how did you first become a leftist Jeez, it's hard to say. I mean, um, like one of my earliest memories, I think, was uh, watching like uh, watching the news in Turkey growing up and uh, watching like a grown man cry after losing a bunch of money on um, um, on a pyramid scheme. And then like uh, talking about like how he wasn't going to have like uh, he wasn't going to have enough money to buy like t- toys or anything for his daughter. And it was just like extremely sad, you know, and it was just like, oh, holy shit, this is uh, very bad. Uh, I've never like... Uh, I hadn't experienced like um, sort of monetary deprivation at that point. I had like a sort of middle class ex- grow- existence growing up, um, but I don't know. That was like one of the first um, sort of I don't know, like me- like very um, visceral memories that I have, you know. And it's uh, and since like my my dad was a leftist, although he didn't really talk about it much um, before he like passed away, but he was like. Uh, He's like a leftist organizer in his youth and a sort of leftist journalist later. Uh, but, um, and people in my family were broadly leftist. Um, and so, so the ideas that people were like equal or like had like uh, deserved equal um, sort of rights or like at least everyone should have enough and um, like fairly common. And uh, I don't really think they were um, extraordinary at all like growing up. Um, but I don't really, I wouldn't consider myself like a, any sort of like 
enacted, we're thinking leftist until probably middle school. I think when I like first read Howard Zinn, I think that was like a really like a people's history of the United States. Um, read that in middle school. And that was like very, very, um, it was like eye opening, like uh, a version of history that was like told, um, through sort of narratives of like the ordinary people that are worked to make changes happen against, uh, sort of the extraordinary tyranny of the powerful. Um, and yeah, I think that, that sort of changed my perspective. And that was during the, during nine 11 and like the Bush reign. Right. So like, uh, um, so the, the, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, um, both of them were just like crazy events that were happening. And I realized that we're like just bombing people in Afghanistan for no reason. I distinctly remember like reading about like the, reading the New York times article talking about the, the like the Afghanis making an offer for, uh, um, to turn over Osama bin Laden to like a third party court uh, and the Bush flatly uh, refusing and just like not <laughs> and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why is everyone cheering this dude on? Um, so I think like the evils of capitalism really started to set in for me at that point. Um, and really like the broad structural problems in the United States and the rest of the world. And of course, like uh, the, the havoc that the United States had wreaked all over the place, you know, it was just like, uh, it's difficult to ignore and it became sort of more ever consuming part of my life, you know? Um, I think that was, that was sort of how it became leftist, I think. Um, and after that, just reading a lot of Chomsky and, uh, and Marx, <laughs> I think that was, <laughs> and then an undergrad, just, uh, going to sociology and having a little more like a sort of, um, um, I guess, focused study on one particular aspect of how capitalism had, you know, shaped people's lives and impacted modern society in like really profound ways. It was just like, uh, I don't know. It, it seemed like the only conclusion people could reach. So it was like, I think, in, I think in undergrad, I was like very, very confused about why other people did not believe as I do. <laughs> and as I think most people, uh, of that age are, but, uh, yeah. So I think it was like a gradual awakening, I guess, but I had like all the, um, sort of, uh, conditioning and the uh, behavioral under like in terms of like what I was uh, brought up with, I guess it was like always there, you know, like that. I like, uh, I, I can't imagine that I would have grown up as anything but a leftist, you know, considering like <laughs> all the people that I looked up to were, you know, so it just seems like an automatic. So it's just like the gradual development of that. I think. Sorry. What was your question? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You, you've answered it pretty well. Um, you know, you, you said that you, you were born in Turkey. Uh, yeah. so, uh, like, well, how, how was that? I, I assumed you, you came here to the U S as a kid. Yeah. Um, so how was that? Like, how did that, how was that transition from like, from like, you know, Turkey, which is, you know, people consider like a weird middle ground between Europe and Middle East mm -hmm. and like here in the U S where it's like, you know, either a melting pot, like here in Orange County, mm -hmm. or it's like, you know, basically white people from date up from like that date, you know, from dawn to, to dusk. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a weird transition. So growing up in Turkey, I was like, uh, growing up in Izmir, which is like a city on the Western coast of Turkey. It's like on the Gulf and it's like a very, it's like the third biggest city and it's like a very cosmopolitan area. Um, and then like, and the reason we left Turkey was like, um, the rise of sort of, uh, potential Islamic fascism, you know, like, uh, you know, like a party using, uh, political Islam to get into power and building, uh, sort of a fascistic, uh, structure around it, which I think, uh, has happened. <laughs> so, um, but, um, uh, 
but when I moved over here, you know, I moved to Mississippi at first. That's where my uncle was living at the time. And I think uh, that's very common with uh, immigration. You just want to, you know, move near someone yeah. that you know. Um, and uh, that was a wild experience. It was like a rural town in Mississippi called Byram. And uh, I was like definitely the first Turkish person anyone had ever met. Um, you know, I got some cool questions from kids like, uh, do you eat spiders and shit like that, which was cool. You know, it's like, I, I don't. I wish. I, <laughs> I think my main problem was like, I don't. Uh, it would take me way too long to catch the spiders, you know, that did not seem, <laughs> did not seem to be like a workable solution, but I don't much protein. Yeah. I think, I think people do eat spiders. So, but I think the bigger ones, I was thinking very small. So, um, but yeah, no, it was like, uh, it was interesting. You know, people were, um, people were like extraordinary, like nice. I, I think that's, that's what I would emphasize when like, when I think back on it, I was just like, I didn't know any English when I came here, you know, I was sort of learning things on the fly and like, I don't know. People around me was like were like generally like curious about like other people, you know. But it was like everyone was kids, so you know we were like in fifth grade. So was that malicious? Or anything? Yeah, no. People were just like I don't know. I think there were there was like a lot of um, lack of knowledge about other people. Like I had no idea what American culture was like, so I like I was completely ignorant of things. Um, but I don't know. People were generally very kind and good natured about it, and like extraordinary, like neighborly and stuff like that. So it was like a really good experience. But um, at the same time, it was culture shock, you know, going from like a cosmopolitan city where you could go outside and walk around and um, sort of go to a cafe by the beach and it would be fine. And you could just spend hours there to uh, Byron, which is like a very nice rural community, right? Where people have like a lot of space, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it, this, it, the social aspect of it is much more limited. So I think that was just like an interesting shift. And then uh, uh, I don't think my uh, parents could handle it as well. <laughs> and then uh, we moved to uh, Orange County, which was just like... Uh, Oh, nice. We had, there's, uh, it's a little bit uh, more like what we're used to, you know. But uh, I don't know. I, I look fondly back to like Mississippi, honestly. <laughs> so, so you move from uh, West Coast liberal elites uh, from Turkey to yeah. Mississippi yeah. to back to West Coast liberal elites, but in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, dude. My, my parents know what they want, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, so like, how do you, so like, as you know, you, you know, like most people you grow up and you start becoming politically aware, you know, of yourself mm -hmm. and you start finding an ideology. So like, how do you ideologically define yourself? Like if, if you even do. Yeah. I, I would say I'm like an anarcho-syndicalist, uh, mainly because I think, you know, labor has to be the center of like sort of, um, structuring society and, uh, Anarchism, because you know, I think sort of concentrations of power are uh, fundamentally uh, problematic <laughs> to use a to use a very modern term. <laughs> um, but you know, from those broad strokes, I think uh, a lot of it's also motivated by the idea of like egalitarianism. You know, believing that everyone's you know equal and um, deserves equal treatment, and um, that you know that the world would be organized in a much better way. That if we had um, that you know if we if we had a shared community oriented economy. Um, so I'm very much for, um, any sort of movement towards that in the short term or in the long term, um, uh, just because, um, I don't think we have a lot of time <laughs> in terms of human society to like get shit right. Um, so yeah, like to, to the extent that like, uh, social Democrats are doing something like very positive. I think that's, that's great. Um, to the extent that like, uh, Marx Lenin's are able to take power. I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, that's, that, that'd be fucking cool. Um, to the extent that like anyone to the fucking left, um, can get something done, I'd be probably in support of that, you know? Um, but I mean, if you ask me what my ideal society would be, you know, it would be, um, small, um, self-organizing 
um, structures, you know, that like that are uh, very um, horizontally organized and uh, and where people are involved much more in how their lives and their uh, place of work are governed and actually, you know, get to make decisions that are important to their lives. Um, I don't know. So, last question here. Um, so, how did you become active in like organizing in the DSA? Yeah. So, getting involved in DSA was really 2016 election, and just like watching Donald Trump win and uh, realizing that I had to do something. You know, um, yeah. I think Hillary Clinton obviously would have been uh, like a terrible president, would have done a lot of horrible stuff, and I think. Uh, Honestly, in retrospect, I think, um, you know, sort of her administration, the slow grind to, um, um, you know, ecological catastrophe uh, and collapse uh, sort of under her term would have been a lot more muted. At least under Trump, we have like a, a lot more people suffering. So it's not like a net positive that this happened. Of course not. But um, there is a lot more anger. And I was definitely a part of that. That's maybe what made me want to join DSA. Um, and, you know, the reason I joined DSA is because it was... Um, a big tent organization that was welcoming and open to uh, people that have different ideas in terms of how to get things done um, from like the electoral side of it, which, you know, I'm definitely interested in hearing about in terms of how people are strategizing and going about it, of how do people, how to hold people ac- accountable to also doing like direct action, you know, um, to directly confronting power uh, whenever we can. Um, so that's, uh, seems like the best way to organize things. Seems like the absolutely necessary way to organize things right now, considering how splintered and small the um, sort of active left is. And, um, you know, so I've been organizing with them as much as I can uh, since uh, 2006, late 2006. Teen. <laughs> 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. teen 16. There you go. Awesome. Cool, uh, th- so thank you so much for uh, being able to be interviewed. Uh, again, this has been uh, Jem, and uh, this is your interviewer, Byron. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming over to my house. <laughs> All right. We came to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself. As always, please follow us on Twitter at movement underscore color and become a supporter at patreon.com backslash movement of color. My name is Brandon Peyton Curio. Guys, party on. I'll miss you. Adios.